Good morning, everybody. Let's turn in our Bibles, please, to Matthew 13. We're going to finish this chapter today, verses 47 and following. Um, I want to give you just kind of a, a preview of where we're going. So uh, Matthew 13 ends today. It's the end of the fourth major section of Matthew. Uh, so it's a good place to, to pause um, in Matthew. And then next week we'll have our Advent singing service. The 18th and the, and the 25th, I'll, I'll be preaching from Isaiah, uh, on, more on Advent-related themes. Uh, so I'll jump in uh, there for, um, for Advent in Isaiah chapter 9. Um, but it's also been kind of cool how these, the parables have lined up with, with Advent a little bit, so especially today, because in as much as Advent or Christmas is about the first coming of Jesus, um, it's where, where God came, it's, it also is a time for Christians for us to reflect on which Jesus is going to come again, right? Um, this, the, the final Advent to establish the new, new heaven and the new earth. And that is what our text is about today. Matthew 13, we're going to be in 40, verses 47 through 50. And this last parable, the parable of the net. So now that you're settled, stand with me and let's read Matthew 13, 47 through 50. Okay. Jesus says this, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a large net thrown into the sea. It collected every kind of fish, And when it was full, they dragged it ashore, sat down, and gathered the good fish into containers, but threw out the worthless ones. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will go out, separate the people from the righteous, and throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. Now, if, if, you've been, if you've been here, does that kind of sound familiar? Does that parable sound familiar to some of the other ones that we've, that we've looked at? It, it should sound like the wheat and the weeds, um, going back to uh, verse 36 in this chapter, right? And, and that's, so let me, just context matters. Context really matters here. So just understand all the questions that Jesus is it's answering with these parables about the kingdom of God. You go back to the mustard seed and the buried treasure. And the question that's being asked of Jesus is, how can you be ushering in the kingdom if, you're, if what you're doing looks so insignificant? There's just nothing impressive about your kingdom. And Jesus says, well, my kingdom's like a mustard seed. It looks insignificant when it starts, but it's ruling the field when it ends. And then the parable of the treasure in the field and the, and the treasure um, of the, the pearls, Jesus is, there's a question being asked of Jesus, how can it be of any value given how weak it looks? How can your kingdom have value? Okay, and, and Jesus answers that is, once you understand what it is that you have, you recognize it for the value that it is. It's weakness, perceived weakness and insignificance is, is not where its value is now. What it actually is when you understand what you actually have. Okay. So that's the question that Jesus is answering in that one. And then you go back to the wheat and the weeds. And, I, and I wanna, I'm tying that to, to this one because they are very, very similar with different nuances. Same coin, different sides. Okay. 
Weed in the Weeds was answering this question. How, Jesus, can you be ushering in the kingdom of God if evil is still present among it? Okay. So that's, that was the question. That, and so you had the wheat and the tares growing up side by side is illustrative of the fact that people of the kingdom and evil are growing up side by side together. And so that was the question. And you can see instantly, okay, in the wheat and the weeds and this parable about dragnet fishing, how similar they are, right? And, it's, and it, to an extent, it's getting at the same, same question. But the emphasis is not on the coexistence of the two, which is what the wheat and the weeds is pushing more than anything else. The emphasis in this text is that there's coming a day where the two will be separated. It's an emphasis on judgment. It's an emphasis on Jesus' final return. Okay, And Jesus used an illustration, by the way, shortest sermon ever. I just want to warn you right now. We're like seven minutes from being done. Okay, It's an illustration that Jesus' people, it's again, just like every other parable, they would have grasped, they would have resonated with the illustrations that Jesus is using. Fish and bread, fish and bread, fish and bread, staples of the Palestinian diet for the rich and the poor alike. Everybody would have understood what Jesus was getting at here. And the type of net that's mentioned in this parable is the largest possible net that they would have and the strongest possible net. It would be thrown out in the water. Some of them would have been weighted in the corners just to ensure rapid and wide, a rapid you know, sinking down into the, into, the, into the bottom of the water and also a very wide uh, casting. Um, and it would, they, you know, they drag everything in, and it literally, just like you think, it catches everything that's in that's in its path, okay? And if these fishermen were Jewish, they'd have pulled everything ashore and they would have looked at all the different varieties of fish that they had and if it didn't have scales and fins, then it was thrown away because Jews could not eat fish that did not actually have scales and fins according to their dietary laws and they would just discard them and throw them right back into the water because they were unclean. So what Jesus is emphasizing in this parable is that the kingdom of God, His kingdom, it's coming to an end. It's going to find its fulfillment. He is going to rule once and for all. As insignificant as it looks, it's coming to an end, and there's going to be a place in which a time in which His citizens are sorted out and separated from those with whom they currently reside. And the basis of the sorting will be by the fruit that is illustrative of a relationship with Jesus by grace through faith. That's going to be the basis. Okay. So right now, we, we're in Babylon. We, we cohabitate with the world. But Jesus is saying, don't mistake that for the idea that the kingdom's not going to win. Because He is going to. We read this in Sunday school today. He is going to. He is forming a people. And it's, there's the day of separation. The day of separation is, is coming. Okay, the one day, that, that time that John the Baptist was asking about, it's coming. It's going to happen. There's a final judgment that is coming. And Jesus is going to do the judging with his angels. Okay, that's the point. So if you would look around at this world and go, is Jesus really going to come back? I mean, is this really going to happen? Because it really doesn't look like it's going to happen. This is the parable that you tell your heart. Over and over again, the kingdom of God is like a net that is doing the fishing and the sorting is coming. It's coming.
So if you go to, a few years ago, I went to uh, Shepherdsville, Kentucky, and south, southwest of Louisville, southeast of Louisville, excuse me, um, there's a, a, a forest there called the Bernheim Arboretum and Research Forest. Has anybody ever been there? It's super cool. You should go, definitely not now. Don't go in the winter. Terrible idea. But, but go in the, in the late spring, okay, when everything is, is blooming. It's hundreds of acres of rolling hills and, and forests that you can hike through, and they do research there, and you can learn about all the plants, and you know who I'm married to, so you know why that's important, okay? Um, and so we were hiking through uh, a few years ago with, with the kids and a family from Lexington, Kentucky, who met us there that we've been friends with for a long, long time. And we're just, we're hiking all over this property, and, and I've got, you know, a four-year-old, Luke, at the back, who's hiked many miles with us this day, and he finally starts to drag. I mean, you know, at some point, a child cannot keep up. Even at Disney World, they get exhausted, right? So he's dragging, and so the husband and I, like, we, the other husband and I, we're standing back in the, in the hike, and the, the ladies and the older kids are, are going farther up, and Tim and I are in the back, and Luke is even farther back in the line of the hike, right? And, and we're like, Luke, come on, buddy. So we're not, you know, we're not dragging him with us. Like, we're not stopping, but we're staying, we're staying close enough to keep him moving, but far enough away to keep him moving. You know what I'm trying to do as a parent, right? Like, if I stop, he'll stop, so I got to keep moving. But if I go too far, he'll get left behind. I don't want to do that, right? So that's, that's the thing that's going on. And so he's dragging a bit, and at one point, he did the funniest thing. He goes, he's walking just through this, through this field, just this open field. And he goes, huh, and he bends down and he scoops up this handful of grass and just starts eating it. <laughs> and I, Tim and I looked at each other like, what is he doing? Like he just is eating grass. And I said, Luke, what are you doing? What are you eating? He goes, sorrel. <laughs> what is sorrel? Like what is sorrel? It is an edible weed. And his mother had taught him how to identify edible plants when walking through a field. And he saw it and was hungry and just reached down and started eating grass. Okay? Okay? Luke knows his plants. Okay? And what I'm trying to tell you is that Jesus knows his people. Okay? God knows his citizens. And he's coming back and he's going to sort us out and he's going to reign with us in a new heaven, in a new earth. So what? See, I told you, short sermon. Two things. Number one, judgment is a crucial tenet of our faith as Christians. We feel a little guilty about having a judgment tenet to our faith. You don't want to feel guilty about a judgment tenet to your faith. It is crucial. We need to, in fact, we need to double down on judgment. That there are eternal consequences for our temporal actions. A message of judgment is an asset to our mission. Okay? And for two reasons. If we don't have judgment, life is really cheap. Because if you don't have judgment, what we ultimately do does not matter. We could just do whatever we wanted without any consequence or meaning. So we, we have a message of judgment to the world. is to say to them, because life matters. Who we are as image bearers. Who we are as, as human beings. 
our, our behaviors, our morals, our ethics, those things matter. But if we don't have a, a doctrine of judgment for our behaviors, then life doesn't matter because there's no long-term meaning to who we are and what we do. So we don't want to throw away a doctrine of judgment because it brings value to who we are as creatures, okay, as human beings. And then secondly, we need judgment because without judgment, there's no need to be saved or rescued from anything. We don't, we don't do justice to the grace and the love and the gentleness of God if we don't also do justice to the life and the work of Jesus on the cross for sinners where our sin will ultimately judged. We need a doctrine of judgment. We need to double down on that. So don't, don't run away from having a standard of holiness, of a God who, who will be known for who He is. We don't want to throw that away because it brings value to life and it explains the God gives us the basis of explaining the gospel, okay, what Jesus has done. But then there's a, there's a second application, I think, and it's, um, and it's related to um, it, it's related to some of the other things we've said in the parables about the long game. I want, do you remember earlier in a couple of the parables we talked about playing the long game? Like having a long-term view of the nature of the kingdom of God, mustard seed, etc. Okay. Same, the same logic applies here. I want to think the other thing takeaway for me in this text is I need to play the long game with my choices. And specifically, I mean my moral choices. Okay. So on um, two, three days ago, uh, I have a um, I have a free hotel night through with Hilton, okay? And it was just a, it was a reward night, not something where you use points, but it was like a special reward night where they were giving me bonus points, but I had to use it by 1231, and I have this year, and then I had to uh, call in to a special number to use to execute the certificate. And I held on to this email in my inbox for like 17 months. It was the last, bo- the last email, and I'm, I'm now at inbox zero. Praise be. Okay, so um, it was really exciting. So I called the number, and I got the reservation for Holly and I to kind of get away for a night. And then, um, and, and then they said, hey, if you'll stay on the line and talk to this other, we'll give you 1,000 Hilton points, which is like a dollar. Okay, you know, but I was like, sure, I'll sit through a sales call. Why not? You know, so... You can imagine what this next guy wanted to offer me. It was, you know, like this, you get these emails all the time for a timeshare thing. It's, hey, for Mr. Timps, for, for $399, you, we'll get your family down to Orlando and in one of our newer resorts, the Park Soleil in Orlando, whatever, whatever, whatever. And if you'll just sit through a 90-minute sales presentation for a uh, timeshare that's going to cost $50,000, and $3,000 a year in maintenance fees. He didn't say that out loud. I had to do the research while he was talking. Um, and, uh, and, and, and if you'll even say, we'll throw in a four-night bah- Bahamian cruise uh, as well. So you'll get, for $399, Mr. Timbs, you will get four or five nights at the, Hilt- at the Hilton Orlando and four or five nights on a Royal Caribbean cruise later that, that, that same year. Okay. So a younger, poor Rob would have been like, charge my card. Okay. A younger, poor, less thoughtful Rob would have jumped at the opportunity. By the way, don't, don't 
ever jump at that opportunity, okay? Um, I would have made that decision based on the perceived, immediate, short-term value of that vacation without any thought to the end-time suffering I'd have to go through. Um, just sitting through the sales call or sub, you know, giving in to the sales call and signing up for a loan of $50,000 at 10% interest for the next 20 years, which is not a lie. That's basically, that's exactly what, what it was. And it occurred to me how many, like, I'm so grateful to be old um, and had to have made so many mistakes, you know, like, but how many decisions and choices do we make in a day with just the immediate and the short term in mind? Just right there, you know? And, and for sure, now hear me out, there are many decisions and choices that don't have any long-term value or consequences, okay? The Lord does not care what color shoes I put on this morning. It's not, there's no ethic you know, attached. Now, my wife might care, but they need to match, right? Like, and I realized in Sunday school this morning that I think I'm wearing one of her pairs of black socks, but that's okay. I didn't have my glasses on when I was getting dressed, Okay. But that's like there's no long-term value or consequence associated with the flavor of gum that you buy at the gas station, like which is totally random that that just came to mind. But that's there's just nothing there, okay? And and some decisions we make, we don't really know all the way our choices are going to ripple out into the universe, and so this may not necessarily apply. But you know where we are able to discern the impact of our choices? I find it fascinating that as human beings, we are capable of understanding the impact of all of our ethical and moral choices to a large extent. God has made us to say that if I do this harmful, immoral thing, then I can clearly see many of the, not all, maybe not all, but I can see many of the negative implications for myself and for others. Jesus has wired you to be able to take the long view on your moral choices. And the ultimate way to do that is to think, there's going to come a time where we're going to be separated out. I'm going to be separated out based on the fruit. So I urge you, remember this. There are consequences and there are opportunities with our choices. That's what this parable pulls us to do, is to make choices with the long view in mind. And that first great choice to take is to follow Jesus. It is to say, I can't do it, God. I can't grow the scales and the fins. I can't be an acceptable fish in your parable. But Jesus was. And I give my life to Him and follow Him so that when the time comes and your angels come, I'm on the right team. Okay? Let's pray. Father, we ask that to be true. That You would do that work, that we would come to you with absolutely nothing, which is all that is required to be on, to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. And uh, so we, we pray that you would do your work in our hearts to call us and bring us to yourself and to follow you and to, and, to, and to demonstrate the truth of the gospel to the world that we live in until the time comes where you separate and you establish. So we ask it, and we ask it humbly in Jesus' name. Amen.